Before we get into today's show, let's talk about our show sponsor, Remodeler Growth Community. Remodeler Growth Community is a peer-to-peer networking group exclusively for remodelers. For a low monthly fee, you get access to some of the best minds in the industry, life-changing business strategies, and the ability to connect and learn from people who've walked the path you walk. Go to remodelercommunity.com to enroll today. 100% satisfaction guaranteed or your money back, so there's absolutely no risk to you. Go to remodelercommunity.com to enroll today. Welcome to Builder Funnel Radio. Here, you'll learn about how to grow your home building, remodeling, or contracting business. If you're not growing, you're moving backward. So we want you to always be in growth mode. This podcast has really turned into a movement and community of people who want to grow personally and professionally. Here, we bring you some of the best marketing, sales, and business minds in the industry so you can elevate your business. All right, let's dive into the show. Hey, I'm Spencer Powell, and welcome back to Builder Funnel Radio. Today, I have a great conversation for you with Brian Kaplan. He's done uh, several episodes in the past. We did a sales mini-series last year, maybe the year prior. And today, we're going to dig into team development and uh, leadership. And it kind of takes us a little bit all over the place, but there are a lot of really, really excellent tactical things that you can do and, and take some steps on to move forward. I always enjoy my conversations with Brian and he's a really good thinker and he also has a lot of just direct experience both in the weeds, so to speak, in the construction business and then now for for several years coaching and consulting and helping people level up. So I think you'll you'll get a ton out of this. I think at the very least you'll walk away with several items that you can take some actions on. And then yeah, your head might be spinning a little bit trying to figure out how to put all these pieces together, but they're really big, important pieces and uh and it was a really valuable discussion. So I hope you enjoyed as well. All right, let's dig into the episode. Hey, Brian, welcome back. Hey, Spencer. I'm excited for today. I feel like we usually, usually when you and I get together, we're talking marketing, sales, or a combination of the two. We're going to shift gears a little bit today. Not that those two things aren't important, but I don't know what you're hearing. I'm just hearing lots of pain around like team hiring, like culture, like fast pace, like so much is happening. And, and like the the challenges are, are around, you know, those types of topics. Is that what you're seeing or hearing um, or what's going on in your, your circles? For sure. And absolutely keep marketing, keep selling. But I think today's topic is really, you know, front of mind for a lot of people. The industry is just you know the demand for construction services, whether you're a modeler or a custom home builder or a tradie, it's just insatiable right now. And you know you constantly are hearing that there's a labor gap, there's a skills gap that I can't find anybody to work in my business. And so this has just been such a focus. I would say for the past 12 months of you know all the work that I do, coaching remodelers and custom home builders, this has just been such a central core focus of what we worked on. So I thought you know we were chatting and we said, hey, let's pick a topic, I thought this would be a great topic for us to kind of dive into a little bit and give some actionable advice for, you know, what we should really be thinking about as construction business owners in today's landscape. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's good. And what's the, like the framework here that we should kind of be thinking about? Because when you think like HR, 
doesn't really get you fired up, or at least it doesn't get me fired up. I shouldn't speak for everybody. Yeah. There's probably HR people out there that that really love it. But what's kind of the the macro view here? You know, it comes down to in a simplistic way that I can make this resonate with remodelers that are driving between job sites or custom home builders that are doing the same is that back in the day, we all had corded drills. Then they came up with cordless drills. Now they've got cordless everything. And I think the idea here is that everything's always innovating. Everything's always moving. You know, Spencer, you're a big proponent of talking about that the marketing landscape has changed, that the way that you market, the way that people find you, learn about you, how you build know, like, and trust has changed fundamentally over the past few decades. And it's exactly the same when we talk about human resources or team development is the common sort of buzz term that you hear, culture, these sorts of things in companies these days. And I think really what it's come down to is that the market has changed. I entered in 1999. It was certainly a problem back then. And you know, as I was joking before we started recording, 20 years from now, there's going to be a different Spencer and a different Brian having a conversation like this that's going to be sharing some knowledge with the community. And they're going to be talking about how it's evolved since today in, in 20, uh, 2022. So, you know, I think it's really just about us as a, you know, as a, as an industry adapting to how things have changed. Yeah. Yeah. So let's dig into that. I guess, how do you feel like things have changed from like 1999 to, to now? What are the, some of those things that maybe people have, have noticed or haven't noticed that they actually have changed? Yeah. Well, I think we all know that the days of what they would call company men, guys or gals that would sign, you know, start working in a company and spend 7, 10, 15, 20 years or their entire career with one or two companies, those days are just long gone. I mean, there are definitely examples. I'm sure some people listening to this might say, well, I have somebody that's been with me for 7 years or 10 years. And that's fantastic. My, my advice to you, just as a side note, is to hug those people every single day and thank them for being part of your company because it's definitely not the norm. So back in 1999, that was more common. Social media didn't exist. The internet was new. Everything about hiring, finding a job, you know, onboarding somebody, retaining them, all of those things were just different. They were very much in the realm of like an HR person in your company with standard forms and contracts and, and all of that sort of thing. I think today's landscape just looks very different. I think that people coming into the construction industry kind of want to reach the summit without really climbing the mountain. And I think as business owners, we're frustrated by that because we feel like, and myself included, I spent you know two decades slugging it out and learning everything I learned through the School of Hard Knocks, especially because there was no internet, there was no social media for the, at least the first part of my journey. And so that's really difficult for us to comprehend that people just want to be there on the summit without actually going through the work of learning and developing. And so I think one of the, like, I'm going to call it a transcontinental shift, if that's even the right adjective here, is that we have to think about this being our responsibility now as business owners. We have to take this concept of extreme ownership that you know, it's on us to make sure that we are providing training, development, support, and really fostering a culture in our companies to help develop people because they're not coming to us with 20 years of experience or even, you know, in a lot of cases, even five years of experience these days. They're, they're tending to come to us earlier and earlier in their journey, but they also want to be at a higher position when they start. Yeah. And that, and when you really think about that last piece, I mean, that presents a big challenge, but I, I feel like wherever there is a challenge, there is an opportunity. And I don't know if it's like where there's a challenge, there's an equal opportunity, but it's probably a, a greater than opportunity because yeah. And, and I don't, I've been trying to figure that out too. I mean, part of it is 
you've got an aging demographic that's falling off the retirement side, and then you just don't have as many people coming in. But even within that, I feel like we've just seen like a cultural mindset shift and, and you can stereotype and say like millennials, it's, you know, entitlement or, you know, whatever it is, obviously there's probably some truth to that in certain situations and then others, it doesn't apply, but it does kind of feel like there's a, a mindset training that almost needs to happen and a skills training. Is that how you see it or do you see it differently? Absolutely. I think as business owners, we just need to understand the mindset of today's sort of worker or individual that's coming to us. And whether they're, you know, a Gen Z, a millennial, a Gen Y like myself, like doesn't really matter in a sense, because I just think that the growing population of people that might be available. And as you mentioned, it's smaller than it used to be. There's not as many people going towards, you know, the trades and things like that. I think we just need to have this mindset shift to understand that it, it is our responsibility to really help these individuals develop their own skills, help them understand the volume of experience they're going to need to go to the different positions that they might want to go into. You know, I've interviewed many people who have, you know, wanted to start at the project manager level. And, you know, quite frankly, aside from my own business, it took me 12 years to get there to get to that project manager level where I could run a large-scale construction project, manage all sides of it and be successful in it. And so it takes time, you know, and, and I think that that's part of our challenge as business owners is helping to a put a plan in place to create that, but at the beginning of that is shifting our mindset to just think differently about this. Yeah. Yeah, I think it is interesting because yeah, people it feels like people coming out of college today they they want to move around, but they also want to move up quickly, like that yeah. acceleration pass. So I feel like, yeah, there's education around like what it really takes and kind of the timelines. But but I think too, just painting the vision, probably the career path and kind of what that could look like. Yeah, I guess I'm curious to hear from you, like, have you seen people starting to put like building their own training programs or I guess what are a couple ways to start thinking about like combating this, I guess, is like if you start getting these people and somebody comes and they're like, Okay, I want to start at the PM. Like, how does that how does that conversation go? And can you even get them excited if it's like no? And you know, this is what's, <laughs> what's going to go down. <laughs> I can hear a lot of people driving right now or listening to this, just chuckling to themselves when you said, "How does that conversation go?" Because yeah. I've definitely had conversations that I probably wouldn't repeat, but you know, in thoughts at least that I wouldn't repeat on that. But I think, look, ultimately. It's going to come down to an awareness of what the accountabilities of a role like project manager are, and then helping a prospect understand whether they're going to meet those accountabilities and can actually complete those tasks that basically build up to the accountabilities or not. It's a difficult thing to kind of get out in one interview. So we always say hire slow, fire fast. In today's market, a lot of people are thinking to themselves, well, I don't have the time to hire slowly. A, I need somebody tomorrow. And B, if I don't go and hire somebody right now, they're going to be gone by the time I call them back. And this is partially the reality of what's going on. Let's not forget inflation. Let's not forget the cost of living in different cities. I have a lot of clients in big cities. And this is a common thing that I hear that they're leaving the big city to go you know, to the country or wherever they're going, simply because the cost of living is just unattainable. And I get it. It's So that's a real challenge that I think mixes into this whole soup as well. I think one of the big shifts that I would tell people from a mindset perspective, A, we know the landscape's changed, so we have to think differently. That's that concept of extreme ownership. It's our responsibility. 
The second thing is that we always want to think about HR and performance and all of that from an outcome basis. And very often you get job descriptions, and I do this constantly with the clients that I work with. They'll, we talk about the job descriptions, they'll show me their sort of employee contracts, and I'll always ask them, like, what's the outcome that we're trying to build towards? And so the example I give is that, say, Spencer, you and I and Danielle, for argument's sake, the three of us are on a job site, and you know, I go and build a wall over here, you're going and building a wall over there, and Danielle's over there building a wall. But neither of us are clear on what the outcome is. In other words, we don't have, say, a blueprint of the, the house to actually understand what it's supposed to look like when it's done, and we're all building things independently. And I think this is what happens in typical companies is that we give people a list of tasks and say, you should do this, you should do this, you should do this. There's no real concept of the outcome that we're trying to achieve, or in other words, the why they're doing what they're doing. So a granular example might be, I want you to do a daily log. Say I'm a builder trainer or a co-construct or build book user. And I want you to do a daily log every single day. So, you know, and th this is what you need to put in it. But there's no outcome there. There's no understanding of why that's important. And so often what happens is you get this adoption early on, like anything. Once we pass that honeymoon period, adoption starts to fall off. As a business owner, you're frustrated because you signed an agreement. It was clear that this was a task that was a responsibility of that position, yet the accountability is falling off. The individual who was tasked with that is not doing it anymore because they don't take accountability for it because they don't understand why they're actually doing what they're doing. They don't understand the outcome that they're driving towards. So outcome is a really important perspective. And this really transcends through everything that we'll talk about in terms of how do you actually leverage the best results of the players on your team is through focusing on the outcomes and not the individual tasks. I like that distinction a lot because yeah, you could, you tend to like, I'm just thinking about job descriptions and it's usually just like a whole bunch of bullet points of like all the, the tasks and maybe some outcomes are in there, but pro probably not when you just look at your average job description. And so what would an example of like a more outcome-based agreement look like or something like that versus just bullet one through 10? Yeah. For sure. Well, let's go. With, let's stick with the granular example, and then we'll build up to what it sort of aggregates to. So, with the daily log example, what I can tell you is that we used Builder Trend for four and a half years, and we had some clients that would tell us that they were sitting in their inbox waiting for like at four forty-five or five p.m. every single day, waiting for their daily update. And mainly, this is because people aren't living at the house, and so them getting a sense of how much got done or what got done today. And most importantly, the pictures that come along with that daily log was the highlight for a lot of people. What it helped to do is really calm their nerves because for a homeowner, it feels a little bit like a runaway freight train. And you and I have talked about this many times before in terms of the sales process and helping clients understand that we are there to monitor, maintain, and you know, steer the course and keep them you know, within the guardrails of safety. And so the daily log really helps to do that. So that's an example of how I would explain it to my team members so that they understand, A, the value that our client sees. The goal of this is to exactly the freight train analogy so that they understand. And then like, there's a clear idea of what the outcome is going to be for that team member, as opposed to me just saying, do a daily log every day, write down these four components, you know, have it in by 5 p.m. It doesn't really help to frame anything that I just said in the former. So that's like a granular example. And the bigger point here is that, you know, if we talk about the mindset shift, we talk about what was, you know, HR typically and what is now what we call like team development and culture. 
is moving away from employee contracts and moving towards position agreements. And you can call them, these are just labels, you can call them whatever you want. But I think the, the distinction here is contract versus agreement. And I think it's all about the difference between expectation and alignment. And this is a big point that I make with everybody that we, we work with, just to make sure that they're clear. When you expect things from people, you don't give them the opportunity to take accountability for it. If you align yourselves towards a common outcome, then you're going to get an agreement. You're going to get some accountability for whatever it is that you're talking about. So my advice is that, yes, employee contracts are required, and this isn't legal advice by any means. There's, you know, every state and province are going to be different in terms of what the regulations are for employment standards. And I think employee contracts do have a place in this whole, you know, puzzle. The problem is with an employee contract is that, you know, Spencer, if you came and worked for me in Brian's construction company, and I sat you down and you read the employee contract or the employee handbook, that's 35 pages, you know, on your first day, pretty sure that when you leave the office, first and foremost, 80% of it will be gone 24 hours later. And that book that I gave you is probably not going to make it anywhere that you're going to ever pull it out and read it again. So, And this is the one of the challenges with having the rule as listed in a long employee contract that talks about how I submit my hours, how I submit my receipts and my tools and all these sorts of things. So we really want an agreement. We want a very concise two to three page position agreement, something that makes it very clear what the outcomes of the role are, what the accountabilities of the role are, what are the standards by which I'm going to basically act on a daily basis. And then there's a signed agreement so that we get that. And the other thing I just want to add in here is when you're doing these agreements, it's a conversation. So, and this comes back to the mindset shift that you know, it's not just on us as business owners or the old way of us just saying, this is how it is. This is how we've always done it. This is the way we're going to do it. These things need to be conversations now. And that's how the landscape's changed a lot. And whether that irritates you when I say that and it frustrates you, because it still frustrates me when I even say it, I get it. But it's just the way that the industry has shaped and the way that culture is really defined these days in companies. Hey guys, I know that if you listen to Builder Funnel Radio, you are hyper aware of the fact that the way people shop and buy, it's changed dramatically over the years. And for the last 10 years, really since I started doing all this, helping my uncle's remodeling division scale up from about 2 million to 10 million, We've been helping remodelers and builders and contractors all over the country really refine their marketing systems. And I recently decided to kind of bottle all of that up into my first book. And that book is called The Remodeler Marketing Blueprint. And you can pick up a copy by going to the website, remodelermarketingblueprint.com. You can also search for it on Amazon or wherever books are sold online. But I highly recommend you go over to the website because we've got some cool book bonuses that go along with that if you pick up a few extra copies for your friends and colleagues or your teammates. So it would mean a lot to me if you've been listening to this podcast for a while or even just a few episodes, if you've ever gotten any value out of it, head over to remodelermarketingblueprint.com and snag your copy today. All right, let's get back to the show. So that's really interesting. I want to dig into that a little bit more around the conversation piece because I feel like I, I'm with you on the position agreements. Like probably a good step would be like take all the bullet points and kind of write either like the outcome or the why, you know, like next mm-hmm. to them to give you a good a good sense of like how do we translate bullet point to like connecting some of the those pieces. 
But how does that conversation go? And I mean, of course, my mind always goes to the person's like, no, like I'm good with, you know, nine out of these 10 <laughs> things, but I'm not doing that. And then it's like, okay, well, how do we get alignment there? Is that, and then it's just like, well, that's just a deal breaker. Like, is that conversation just an eliminating tool if people aren't on board? Or is it actually a conversation where there's a little bit of give and take? Yeah, it's a great question. I think I think it really comes down to opening up the lines of communication and, and basically humbling ourselves as business owners to say that maybe we do need to think differently or think again about what we have in the role of site supervisor or project manager. I think the lines between those two positions, as well as lead carpenter, and these are all just labels, but the lines between those roles are all a bit blurred. I can tell you that in every company I work with, we craft these position agreements. They're all very similar, but they're all very different at the same time in that Mm. there's different ways that different businesses will pass accountabilities between those three sort of supervisory roles. So I think it's also big picture for a second. How do you approach these conversations? Are you coming from a place of abundance and confidence or are you coming from a place of scarcity and nervousness, so to speak? And a lot of this, you know, I think... As I say that, you're probably, you know, it's probably clicking a bit to say, well, if I approach it from a, a, a perspective of I'm building a culture, I'm building from abundance here, I'm looking to be a magnetic sort of place to work for people, having an open dialogue. Like a lot of companies will say, my door is always open if you want to chat, but what are you actually doing from an actions basis to prove that? And this is an example where you can prove that versus the other option, which is like, well, I hope that they don't pick apart any of these 10 things. Let's go into it saying, you know what? I don't know what I don't know. Maybe someone has a different perspective and maybe they've only been in the industry for two years and maybe they don't have the same amount of construction experience I have, but you know what? They might still be able to teach me something. And so I think it's about you know, like going into it with an open mind, approaching it from a perspective of abundance. And I, I don't think it's a real screening tool as much as it is as getting to know somebody and making sure that they're a good fit with your team. Good points. Yeah, it was making me think of a couple of things there. One is we've been doing uh, quarterly like employee engagement surveys and stuff like that for a few years, but we make a, a really big effort to take the feedback, pull it like aggregate it, pull it into the leadership meeting and then go, okay, what are we acting on this quarter? And then push that back out and say like, we heard you say A through Z, we worked on, you know, A through D or whatever, you know, whatever it was and, you know, got those implemented. So I think, you know, hearing you kind of describe that as like, hey, yeah, we have an open door, but it's the, it's the actions that really um, 100%. Connect, connect the dots there. And yeah, and I like the other piece you said too about the conversation kind of maybe just opening your mind up. Cause I feel like, I mean, you and I both know like good ideas come from anywhere. It's not always going to come from you or I, or who are, you know, whoever's at the top of the company or whatever, they're going to come from all over. And usually it's from individual positions. They see it closer to the ground level. So, so I like that, that piece of it too. It feels like as you're describing all these pieces, they're all like intertwined. You've kind of got like the position agreements and like how you bring people in, but how you start that relationship when somebody comes on board, but then you've got kind of like the mindset training, which I maybe want to dive in there. I'm trying to like rally all these ideas and see if I'm on the the same page here. And, but then you've got kind of like the ongoing culture piece, which, which is like woven in. And so I feel like, you know, when somebody's just like, I need like better team development, like it's not a, a flip of a switch, is it? It's like, 
these are some big, like meaty parts of the business. Am I yeah. grasping that right? Or is it like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I'm thinking like somebody listening there. Like, okay. Like this all sounds good. Like, is there a good place to start with some of this? <laughs> you know, if you feel like you're, <laughs> yeah, uh, for sure. There's and, a lot. And the reason I yeah. ask is we're, you know, we were just having a big marketing discussion and there's like 10 big things where I'm like, yeah. Which, which we like, we can't do it all this week. So what, what are we starting with? And so I'm wondering if you have any thoughts around that. Yeah, for sure. There's a lot here. There's no question about it. You know, flipping your mindset switch doesn't just happen overnight. A great thing to do would to be go and pick up the book, Extreme Ownership by Jocko Wilnick. If you haven't read it already, the premise of it is exactly what I'm speaking about. And in it, he's an ex-Navy SEAL for those that don't aren't familiar with him. And he just talks about all of the scenarios that he's been in and, and what extreme ownership really looks like. In other words, every result is something that you can affect as the business owner and taking that extreme ownership to say that, what can I do better? What can I learn to, to kind of improve on this? So that's like a granular tactical thing that you can go and do is, is actually grab that book and read that. And I think in terms of the employee contract versus position agreement, kind of something you said a moment ago, Spencer, is take your typical job description that you have right now, if it's part of your employee contract, and right beside it, just print it out. And beside each task that you have, ask yourself what the outcome is for each one of those things. And try to also put them into sort of a grouping and say, like, this is part of client experience. This is part of, you know, production of the work or whatever the position is and whatever those buckets kind of look like and start to group those things together. And from there, what you can do is kind of come up with one statement for each one of those buckets. And then what we do is we take all those statements and make one big statement for the role. But that's that's going a little bit deep in the weeds there. But I think as a very good starting point, it's about just taking an outcome for each individual task and, and starting to think a little bit differently and play in that space because it's very different than how I was raised and how I started in this business. My first job in construction, I got up uh, on a roof that we were framing and about 20 minutes into my first day, a hammer went flying by my face. And it was one guy on one end of the ridge and the other guy on the other, they were having an argument and the hammer came flying across. Oh, and so, so things are a little different these days, right? We don't, we don't see those kind of things happening. You know, I think just flipping our mindset and starting to play in that space a little bit is, is really helpful. And then, you know, you mentioned something else about there's kind of a, a whole life cycle here. If you think about it, there's the need that pops up to say, we need more carpenters. We need more site superintendents or project managers. And so then we have to start that ball rolling. So the first thing we naturally do is go to Indeed, look at everybody else's ads, copy and paste a bunch of it into a Word document, put our name on it, and then we decide to go post that. That's the typical trajectory that people have. So what I would love to do is have people intercept that process. And you might still do those same steps because it's easier to, as one of my clients always says to me, it's very easy for me to edit what you send me. It's much harder for me to come up with the stuff in the first place. So go and do that process, but then do that thing that you know you mentioned a few moments ago that I just recanted, which is find out what the outcome is for each item and rewrite your job description from an outcome basis. And I'd also encourage people to write the job description in the mindset of the person reading it, as opposed to you writing about your business in the third party and saying, 
you know, this is our company, this is what we do, this is who you are if you belong here, et cetera, et cetera, is really write it in the mindset of someone reading it. It's much like we always talk about marketing is we want to write it so that I'm interested in continuing to read this thing. Because if it's all about you, I'm not really that interested because the most important thing to me is me. So, and that's, that's something that I think could be really helpful for people. Hire slow, fire fast. So, how that really plays into effect here is when we talk about shortlisting and interviewing people, something that I started doing a long time ago was coming to these meetings. Whenever I would, I would talk to somebody on the phone, we'd set up an in-person meeting and I would actually show up with a career roadmap. And it was a one-page document that basically outlined where they would be in our company and where they could go. So you might have an organizational chart you might have an accountability chart. You may not have any of those charts. You might just have some positions that are listed on a piece of paper, and that's fine. It doesn't really matter. But what we want to do is give clarity to somebody as to where they are and where they can go. So it doesn't have to be super fancy, but a career roadmap shows a willingness to be playing in the abundance space and also to be viewed as a progressive company that you're looking to invest in your team and help them advance in their own careers. Because you know, we always say that if you take the example of, say, a basketball coach, you know, in a school that's in a, a rough neighborhood, you know, a lot of those stories that come out of those coaches that are trying to make better people, not necessarily better athletes, but they're trying to help them improve their lives. And I think a lot of that would telegraph through to what we're talking about today. And I try to, you know, in, you know, encourage the business owners I work with to have that mindset as well, that you're looking to help people advance their skills and now some of you might be thinking as I say that, well, that's great. I'll go and train them and teach them all these things. And then they'll leave and go start their own company. And the truth is that might happen. But the alternative isn't good either because the alternative is what we're all sort of stuck in right now, which is we can't find people and we're constantly finding that they don't have the skills that we need, but we're not really doing anything proactively to kind of change that. Yeah, yeah. Well said. And it makes me think of the investing in your team and you're like, uh, yeah, what if I invest all this time and energy and make them into this great performer or whatever, and then they go join another company or start their own company. And it's like, yeah, but what if you don't invest in them, you know, and they right. stay and, exactly. they, and and you're like, oh yeah, that, that'd be way worse. You know? So yeah, yeah I, like, I think that's a good comment around just like, you have to you have to invest in your team if you want to get better. And some people will leave and some people will stay. And obviously the goal then becomes, how do you get more people to stay and working on that like retention piece? And that was something I wanted to ask you about was more around like the continuation. Are there things that you can do? Like once you've got somebody on board, you've kind of developed, you know, some of that like cultural aspect, like you got some core values and everything. Are there ongoing ways that you continue training on mindset? Because you said it's not a flip of a switch, you know, and how do you continue like showing them that career path and developing the skills? And, you know, are there just some like tactical things or ways to like bake that into your process? Because it can't be a, we're going to onboard you for 90 days and then like, everything just kind of stays flat. You know? <laughs> yeah. You know, something we said earlier in this podcast about, you know, it's like the, we can start with something, but the actions are going to, or we can say something, but the actions are going to speak a lot louder than words. And, you know, the point that you're hitting on is, is great. And so I always tell people that your job actually starts at retention. So yes, you have mm -hmm. to craft a great job description from a marketing perspective, you know, there's always a lot of dovetails between our team and our clients because we actually speak to them in the same way and we are trying to find them in the same way. So the messaging is a little bit similar there. But really, if we think about it, if we do our work 
in the right job descriptions, the right interview process, you know, going slow through the process and getting clarity as to who they are so that we know that we're bringing in the right sort of culture fit and the right person for the role. The retention part is really the part is where your job really starts, but it tends to be where the job seems to end for a lot of people because they feel like, okay, I needed three carpenters. I hired three carpenters. Whew, we got them onboarded. And as I was joking with one of my clients last week, we were talking about how like, cause I, I've been a carpenter myself and getting hired for a job and you just show up at a project and that was it. That was the onboarding. You just showed up and it was like, okay, <laughs> you're here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're here. Great. So, you know, if you can go into the upper bedrooms and put in the ceiling joists, you know, the materials over there, I'll see you at lunch <laughs> kind of thing. Like that was the onboarding. That was the extent of it. And I'm sure everyone that's listening can probably camarade with that. But yeah, I think that the retention piece is huge. So one of the things that I discovered you know, it was a long time ago now, but I realized this, that you can say all the things you want. You can even do all the things that you want, but how you get the greatest accountability buy-in from your team, aside from everything that we've talked about in terms of initializing things correctly, is by utilizing what, you know, two-year-olds can teach us about HR. And as for those of you that have two-year-olds, you'll know that they tend to play beside each other. They don't actually know how to play with each other yet as humans. And so they do something like we all do, which is mimicking. And mimicking is a very powerful concept when you think about your team, because if you have a series of carpenters and lead carpenters, site supervisors, and project managers, if you have them in a room and you're doing meetings or they're on job sites, you know, we always say that bad habits, you know, will be picked up by people, but the same goes for the inverse, which is good habits will be picked up and people are encouraged to perform when they see others doing the same thing. And so from a retention standpoint, the more that you invest in every single person in your team, you'll, what you'll end up getting is a bit of this, we say like diminishing returns when we over-insulate structures, but it's the opposite of that, whatever we want to call it, exponential returns. Yeah, so you're, you're going to basically get some free, it's like compound interest. You're just getting some compound interest through all of this. And I think that's something that's not to be understated. So try to find, you know, when we talk about technology, I give a presentation on this all the time. And I always say that find somebody in your team that's really interested in, in using technology. If you're going to start onboarding a project management platform or whatever it is, get them familiar with it, get them to see some results with it because other people on your team that are technically beside them in their organizational chart are going to actually really pick up on that and start to mimic that behavior and really want to, to actually learn that themselves and contribute in that way. So, I mean, it's not just taking, you know, as they say, taking the boys for beers on Friday afternoons and pizza Fridays every once in a while, all of those things help. There's no question about it, but if you really want to truly invest in someone's future, what we need to do is start with the career roadmap, get an alignment as to where they want to go, help them understand where they are right now, where they want to go, what's going to need to change between now and then, or where they currently are, where their desired situation is. And through that process, you're going to have to determine alongside them, how long is realistic for that to happen? As I always joke, there's a lot of great carpenters out there, but a lot of them don't make great managers because it's just a different, two different worlds. And for all the guys that are listening to this, that were guys and gals that were carpenters first and business owners second, you know exactly what I'm talking about because you got your bags on and you're on a project. 
it's a very different world to go in the truck, open up the computer, hotspot your phone, and start working on emails and estimates. It's just two different worlds completely. So really what we want to do is help people understand how long it's going to take them to develop those skills, but also show them what a day in the life of that type of position really is. And sometimes people aren't ready for it either. It's a maturation thing. It might take them two or three years to get there. So then we want to kind of take that, whatever that gap is, and we want to break it down based on the time frame into all the actionable sort of tactical things that you can sort of do or work on between now and the next quarter, the next year, the next two years type of thing. So it's along the lines of the career roadmap, but it's helping to put this into a format that we call a goal setting review or a GSR that you do weekly with your teams. And the, the weekly one is, is typically more of a production meeting. and then. I would say that if you have a team that's large enough and you can dedicate the time, because these are a lot of meetings, you have somebody, either general manager, an operations manager, or even maybe a senior project manager, I've seen that as a title, that actually meets with your team members to go over where they are and make sure that you know their goals are front and center. So it's not necessarily, it doesn't have to be a weekly thing, it can be a monthly thing. It's definitely a quarterly thing, for sure. It should never go longer than 90 days, because we tend to fall out of our own motivations pretty quickly as humans. And so it's about that ongoing action piece that we talked about early on, because words are great and words are cheap, but the actions are everything. So keeping it front and center, helping to support and encourage them towards their goals, and also keeping it open as a conversation because you might realize, and they might realize six months down the road, you know what, this role is not going to be a one-year trajectory for me. It's going to be a year and a half or two years. So now let's work together and adjust the plan so we can get you to where you want to go. Yeah, I, I like that a lot. The um, the roadmap piece, and I feel like that just like allows you to kind of set the stage with, this is probably what the expectations are. You know, like this is a three-year journey to get from this role to that role, if that's your goal and that's what you want to do. But then I feel like it gives those high performers a chance to be like, well, I'll see if I can do it in two years instead of three. Or, you know, it's like great if they're able to ramp up their skill set and, you know, do some homework and some extra training and, and stuff like that, then like that's what you want. You want to encourage those people that want to fast track to, to do that kind of thing. But I also liked what you you said around the like the one-on-one or the individual meetings. I picked that up from my dad. He would always meet, well, he and I would meet weekly. And then I started doing that as we started to grow the team and, I, and we started weekly and then we backed off to, to monthly. We've talked about backing off to quarterly as the team has gotten a lot bigger because it does add a huge management layer and like it's a big time commitment, but we, we do a monthly and I have found that, that that frequency, whether it's weekly or monthly, is really positive in terms of just like mm-hmm. it keeps all of these things that you've been talking about like at the forefront, like, hey, you're, I know you're trying to get here. Like, what are we doing between this month and next month to work towards that? You know, and are we making progress? And, you know, have your goals changed? You know, has something in your life happened that maybe like we need to be going in a different direction now? Or, you know, like it allows you to kind of keep your finger on the pulse with all those things. So I really, yeah, I like the way you kind of frame that from like the team stuff, but then there's all the individual stuff. And that's kind of how you keep all the ongoing piece of it there. Yeah. And the truth is that you're going to have people that really like are attracted to that. And you're going to have some people that just say to you, like, I've got a client, he's got a, a 65-year-old lead carpenter who's just told him year after year, look, I'm a lifer. I'm just, I just bang nails into wood <laughs> type of thing. <laughs> and I know that I hit a ceiling like years ago, but I'm okay with that. And so this is 
the concept that you're going to offer to everybody, but not everyone's going to walk through the door. You're going to bring them to the door. Not everyone's going to walk through the door. And that's okay. Also, the fact that you are open to basically working with people on this process is really what's important here. And that's really what the nature of think differently about HR really comes down to. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a good point. And I mean, that may still work for that guy, right? Like it may still work on both sides. Like, Hey, this guy's performing this role at a high level and that's what he wants to do. And if you need that, then great. But at least to your point, you gave him the opportunity to have a discussion around it and you know, all of that. So any, anything we missed here, or if you were to like summarize and and give people a few like action items, how do you want to wrap all this up? Cause I feel like we could, we could break like four of these things into like two hours each, but uh, <laughs> we we're not yeah. going to do that today. So <laughs> no, for sure. There's a lot here. There's no question about it. I think I'll go back to what we said right at the beginning is the landscape has changed and we have to adapt with it. 20 years from now, there'll be a different Spencer and different Brian talking about this and it'll be a very different conversation, I imagine. But it's not just magically going to change overnight. And so we need strategies and tactics and really a mindset shift to manage with the labor force that is there currently and the labor force that's coming into power and understanding that it is our responsibility at this point to take an extreme ownership approach because you know I had a client yesterday in my program reach out and he said that he you know we we're just talking about something I call the weekly objective sheet and it's a way to help this is a development tool that I used with uh, site supervisors and lead carpenters to help them understand help them how to plan uh, their weeks ahead and things like that and as it sounds, weekly objectives is all about the outcomes that we're looking to achieve. Yes, there were some task-based items there, but there was clarity on what the objectives, that was really the first piece. And so my client was just reaching out to say that he was really frustrated because he received a message about this tool breaking and there was no accountability, there was no troubleshooting and anything like that. And But then he wrote to me and said, you know, my normal process would be to flip my lid <laughs> and just go you know, nuts on everybody. But I realized that that's not going to be helpful. That's not going to get me to the outcome that I'm looking to achieve. And I think whether you're, look, whether this is HR you're talking about, managing clients, managing your trade partners or anything in your business, every time you're communicating, writing an email, a phone call or a meeting, I always want you to focus on the outcome because that's really at the end of the day, who cares if you're right? It's all about the outcome that you're looking to achieve. It's kind of like we always say in a marriage, do you want to be right or do you want to be happy? And if you want to be happy, then focus on that outcome. So, you know, ultimately, I would say outcome is a really important mindset shift to think about. Extreme ownership is a really important mindset shift to think about. So, you know, some of the tactical things we talked about is any documents that you're working on with your your team, make it a conversation, not a set in stone, you know, contract Let's shift from expectation to alignment and really open up that and facilitate that conversation. You're going to find yourself in a better place when you come out the other side of it. And the truth is that when I say you come out the other side, it's like anything in business. You know, Everything in business is a river. It's always moving. It's always modulating, adjusting, and we always have to adapt. But you will reach a point where you'll start to see this equity that you're building in the team. And as I said uh, a moment ago about compound interest, like you start to see this start to build. And I'm sure, you know, Spencer, you've seen it at Builder Funnel over the years and with all the work that you guys do. And, and this is really what, what culture building is, is all about. It's tough work though, is I'm not going to sugarcoat it and say this stuff is easy. It's hard. It's different than how we think It's different than how the majority of us business owners that have been in it for a couple of decades think about all of this stuff. 
So we kind of almost have to throw everything we know out and really start to, you know, imagine this in a different lens. Yeah. Yeah. Really good stuff. And I, I would just uh, add on that. Yes, it is really hard. And, but there is some light at the end of the tunnel in that you, you kind of talked about compound interest, or if you want to think about it as like rolling a snowball down a hill, like you do right. pick up some momentum. It's not like there's no effort required once you move, move a few years down the road, but things get easier. And, it, and then in some ways it, it does help all the other pieces too. You, you know, you can hire better. It attracts better people. All the people you have on the team kind of jive with each other. And, you know, so yeah, I like how you put that. Brian, how can people connect with you or learn more about what you're up to? Yeah, for sure. Easiest way is constructionconsulting.co. I think we're also going to put a link down below this podcast just to, if you want to book a strategy session with me, I you know hop on 30, 45 minute strategy sessions. I'll learn more about you, your business, where you are, what you're up to, where you want to go. And then you know we can discuss if it's a, a fit to work together or not. But that's, yeah. And then major social channels like Instagram, I do a lot of work on and LinkedIn as well. Right on. All right. Well, Brian, I always enjoy talking to you and I appreciate the conversation today. Same here. Thanks, Spencer. Thanks again for listening, everybody. And as a quick reminder, text radio to 33777 for some free goodies as a thank you for listening to the show. And if you got some value from today's episode, I just ask that you leave us a quick review on iTunes. It really helps us spread the word and grow this awesome community of people who are working to improve their lives and their businesses. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time on Builder Funnel Radio.